listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 28. And we have ushers coming forward right now with, with Bibles that if you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to have a Bible, to take it home um, with you, to read it. It will change you. It will transform you as you take the Word of God and live what it says. And, and, uh, and so encourage you to, to take that Bible and to, um, to use it and to have your Bibles open or uh, turned on, perhaps this morning, to, to Matthew chapter 28. There's going to be stuff I'd love for you to underline, uh, notes for you to take. I, I trust you have your journals, that you have your connection card, you have something. I trust you take the connection cards, or if, if you um, already have a journal, just feel free to pass by them. And when things are handed out, please take them. They are for a reason, including these cards. We're going to be referring to them. And so I trust that you'll keep those handy even this morning as we get into the Word of God here this morning. As we, as we uh, bring this I Follow Christ series, the 5G, Life series to a close, I trust that for you, for all of us, it is becoming more clear in our minds in how we can uh, not only describe the Christian life, but how we can even examine our own lives in light of the Word of God that we see outlined for us as we've been just over the last 10 weeks or so going through what it means to be a true follower of Christ. And this isn't a harvest thing. This isn't a Melden thing. This isn't something that we've made up. This is in the Word of God. This is what God's Word calls us to do and what it calls us to be as followers of Christ. And so I trust and I've been praying, oh God, bring clarity and, and may we steward our lives and, and prioritize our time, our talents, our treasures in a way that would bring you glory, in a way that would see the kingdom of God expanded in our lives, in our families. Do we need a touch of God in our families today, in our city, in our nation, in our, in our world? Do we need a touch of God? Yes, good. I'm glad to hear some response. I want you to live today because God's word is alive. And, and, and don't get comfy. You may have to put your seats back down. I'm not going to make you stand up or do anything weird or anything. But, but don't get comfortable. I don't want anyone falling asleep. This is important, important um, things that we're going to be talking about here today. And so I encourage you to grab this card. And, and I trust that you have it in your hand. And, and that when you came in, you just didn't toss it or see if it would be a Frisbee or something like that. This is important. I encourage you to hold on to this. Have this in your Bible, in your journal. Have a couple copies of this them around as, as they are a good thing. I have them in my desk at home. They're on our dining room table oftentimes unless they get, get shoved under the placemat for a bit. But I love to keep these things around. Have some in my car, in the office, and that. And, and just a great reminder and, and, uh, of, of what it means to follow Christ. And, and we've simplified it. Not We haven't made it simple. This is hard. This, we can't do this in our own power and our strength, but we do it through the Spirit's power. But it, it's been able to, uh, as we've been going through this, just hopefully bringing this clarity and, and, and we've been looking at kind of this bullseye or it's like a clock or whatever it might be that we believe that, that God, God's word teaches us so much that a follower of Christ is someone who first and foremost abides in Christ, has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and we grow and we deepen that relationship through a commitment daily of spending time in the word of God and this is time spent in the word, in prayer, it's not exhaustive Bible study and time to get into theology and, and all kinds of other things 
things. This is a time for God's word to impact our lives, for us to worship, to commune with God daily, just in the same way that Jesus would, co- would commune daily with his heavenly father. And, and I trust that you're growing in this. We have one of those booklets. Trevor, can you just throw me that book? I'm glad you have one there. I trust that all of you have picked up one of these. Uh, we still have lots of them around. And you say, well, I know how to study the Bible. Hey, you might get some new pointers. You might get some help in this. And, and I think all of us, we can get into a rut. And, uh, and, and God's plan, his desire for you is for your time in the word of God to be knocked out of the park, communing with the Lord daily. That is, that's the goal. That is what we're going for in this. And so pick up one. It's going to cost you a whole $2. Um, that's, that's not even a large Tim Hortons coffee for crying out loud. And, and it's much better than what you'll get out of this than a roll up the rim because you don't seem to win much. At least I'm not winning much on that this year. So I'm going to the free coffees at McDonald's this past week. You know, and, and, and so a follower of Christ abides, it abides daily. We have a relationship uh, daily spending time together. We connect with fellow believers. Scripture is clear. clear. We are not on our own. We're not to be living this on our own. That we need one another. And we, we grow that through gather time what we're doing here this morning through group time that we're sharpening, encouraging, um, teaching, worshiping, praying together in, 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 on Sunday mornings. Uh, there's elements of that, but in our, in our group time and, and just strong encouragement for you to be in a group, to be in a small group and, and studying the, the word of God together and, and doing life together. It's vitally important. Again, scripture is so clear on this and, and you can listen to all the sermons we've been preaching about this. And then the third is that uh, Christ follower, someone who shares. We share in the mission that God has put us on. We don't hoard our faith. We don't hoard our resources. We share our time, our talents, our treasures, and we we share them. We, We give freely. We give our first and our best, not our leftovers. Leftovers can sometimes taste pretty good, but after two or three days, leftovers get pretty left over and, and aren't so good anymore, you know, and, and so we give our best and our first to God in, in, in our time and our treasure and our talents, and, and, and today we're going to look at the last one here, the go time. We talked last week about giving, about what give time looks like, and today about go time, and go time is really ultimately the expression, the, the overflow, the biblical overflow of a life that is growing and deepening in an abiding relationship with Christ is the overflow of a life that is growing and deepening in relationship and with one another in, in gathering together for worship and, and, and serving one another and loving one another and forgiving one another. And go time is the end result of, of all of this is as it builds or it, it moves us or culminates or climaxes or even a musical term, crescendos into go time. And go time is, is, is living out the mission that now what we have been called to do as followers of Christ. And here's a statement we've had kind of clarifying statements every, every week as we've been going through. It's go time. Time spent seeing the gospel spread locally and globally. This is our mission. And in Matthew chapter 28, we see Jesus, some of his final words. He's gathering together with his disciples. Some believe there are others along there as well. There's a crowd of people, but he's specifically here speaking. He, he had the 11 disciples around him at this time because we know what happened to Judas. And he's giving his his bottom line instructions and he's giving them his final words and he said this is your work this is your mission this is what you are to give yourself to and as followers of Christ today as disciples of Christ today this too is our mission these are our marching orders this is what he calls us to do 
And so let's read in verse 18. I'm going to read this here. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go time, write this down. Go time, and you'll need this for your, your study material this next week. So, so this, this line is, is your little cheat sheet, so I'm helping you on this. Go time. This is what we do. Go time. This is what we do. This is what we are called to do as followers of Christ. And he says, this is your mission. This is what you are here to do. You are not here to try to sell the world a better product. That is, as a follower in Christ, that is not your ultimate goal. It's not to sell cars. It's not to build houses. It's not to build churches as, as, as in the way that, that, that we're even talking about. The, the end goal that God has for me is not to build a church. It's to make disciples. Church is very much important part of that. It's not just to try to win good housekeeping, mother of the year kind of award. No, that, that's, not the, that's not the goal. That's not the mission of what we're going for. Followers of Christ, true followers of Christ, this is our mission. This is what we do. And it's very clear. I'm not making this up. This is the word of God. This is Jesus speaking here, and this is what he's telling us to do. But it's so easy to get distracted by worldly pursuits and passions, to get so busy and consumed with other things, and, and, and even with good things. And, and I'm not discrediting some of the other things I've talked about. It's good to work hard and to make a living and, and all of that, but that's not our primary purpose here on this earth. Because it's this earth, this is about heaven. This is about eternity. This is, taking, this is about taking as many with us as possible. If we are in Christ and if we're not in Christ, it's about getting in Christ so that we have a relationship with him. It's so easy to get consumed with other things. Even church things we can become consumed with. And we can easily lose sight of the central mission of what we've been called to do and to be. And so oftentimes we think, well, you know what, this go thing, Melvin, I'm going to really grow on those top four things. I, I agree. And, and you know what, I'll even go into that, that, that last part there, the, 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 the go time with, with giving of myself. But this go time, that's not for me. I just don't have the gift. That's for the special op forces. That's for the elite. That's for the mercenaries. Those are for those crazy people who just seem to go in there and start a conversation and start telling people about Jesus and seeing people. We had a guy when I was in, in college and and he was also attended the church that I grew up in. And, and his nickname became One A Day Ray. Because this guy literally could, would lead someone to the Lord every day without exaggeration. Sometimes multiple amounts of people. He's now currently pastoring in Calgary and continues. I think he's in his late 60s, maybe even early 70s. And, and he still just, just, just has a deep impact through love, through his lips, through his, his life in, in just being a... a, a a specialized soldier of evangelism. You say, but that's not me. And that isn't many of us in this room. But that still doesn't mean that we aren't to be involved and we're not to grow and be challenged and to get busy with go time because this is what we do. We have to understand the heart of God. And you know, folks, I, I don't really feel sorry for you as, as, as we go through the word of God because you're sitting in nice chairs. I'm not. I have bright lights on me. 
And I've been convicted and working through this sermon like all week. And, and it's difficult. The Lord is doing a work of conviction in my own life. And I trust that for the time that we're here t- today, that he's going to do a work of conviction in your life. And, and, and that conviction wouldn't just lead us to, to despair, but it would lead us to, get, let's get doing it. Come on. Let's get busy. This is what we do. And Jesus said, we understand the heart of, of God. We have his words in Luke 19.10, um, where, where we see that Jesus, he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. He came on a mission. John 3.16, I mean, th- this is just one of those classic passages. And, and, and where, you know, that, that whosoever believes on him will not perish. Jesus came. This is the heart of our God that we would not perish but have everlasting life. He came to bring us life. 1 Peter 3.9 says that it is his plan, his desire, his heart that no one should perish but that all should come to repentance. And in John 20, he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. And as the Father sent Jesus on mission here to this earth, he's sending us out on mission. This is what we do. And, and, and this is one of the great things of the 157 now, I believe, Harvest Bible chapels worldwide, and that number continues to grow, and Lord willing, will continue to grow and Harvest Ottawa as they launch a little later on in April, and, and Harvest Calgary a little later on this year, or South Calgary. And you'll see this mission statement in every Harvest church. This is what we do. The mission of Harvest Bible chapels, all 157, and all the ones that are in the birthing process, and, and, and even the ones that haven't even been thought about in certain countries and locations yet, to glorify God. God through the fulfillment of the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment. We are to go. This is what we do. And so go time. This is what we do. And, and, and then second of all, we see go time begins with a heart of true worship. I didn't read verse 17, but we have to understand. In order to understand this command, we have to understand what, what was said in verse 17. Take a look in your Bibles and it says, says there, um, it says, and when they saw him, this is the disciples and perhaps the others that were there, they, when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. These people, when they saw Jesus, the resurrected Lord, they were on their knees, they were in worship, they got low, they prostrated themselves, prostrated themselves before God, and, and, and there they were um, at the feet of Jesus in worship. And folks, this is the first and the right response to the resurrected Jesus. When we see and we understand what Christ has done for us, it results in worship. We bow down in humility, in thankfulness, in gratitude for what he has done. Fresh in their minds was the events that had taken place some weeks earlier with with seeing Jesus washing the disciples' feet and then moving on and being arrested and to be brutally beaten and put on the cross and put put onto the ground then and, and wrapped in burial clothes. He was dead, sealed off in a grave, but risen to life. On the third day, just as he promised, just as he said he would. And their response to this news and and the fact that even though they they rejected him and they ran from him and Peter denied him, what was his response to them? You losers, I'm picking some new new guys. His response was, come to me. And we see the first opportunity that Jesus had. He was there on the beach with Peter, the one who had denied him. And he was there restoring him. That is the heart of Jesus. And so here it is now weeks later. He's getting ready to ascend up into heaven. They see Jesus. They see the resurrected one. And they are on their knees in worship. You see, true mission is birth out of worship. 
Go time is birthed out of a response in worship to God. That's where it starts. If I just tell you you need to go for the sake of going because that's what you're told to do, it's not going to last very long. But when we are overwhelmed and a little later on when we partake of the Lord's Supper and we remember his broken body and his shed blood for us, we are moved. We ought to be moved. Otherwise, don't even partake. If it doesn't mean anything to you, do not partake. To know that he took your sin and the wrath that you so deserve, the wrath of God. Our response is worship and gratitude and thanksgiving. And so we see that go time begins with a heart that worships Jesus. Like we heard in that song that this morning, that new song, Jesus arose with our freedom in hand when death was arrested. Our life began. That's when the mission begins. That's when it gets going. When we understand and we've received the free gift of his amazing grace. They worshiped him as Lord, as Savior, as Sovereign King, the resurrected one. And you see, folks, plain and simple, we're all worshiping something or someone or ourselves. We're all worshiping something. It's either Jesus or someone or something. It's a goal. It's a dream. It's a person. It's a body shape. It's a, it's a portfolio. It's, it's a name. It's recognition. We're all worshiping something. And whatever we worship, it's going to consume our time, our treasures, and our talents. It will. Whatever it is that we're worshiping, that's what we're going to be giving towards. It might be money or comfort or making that name for ourselves or gaining nice stuff. Chasing the ideas I just think, well, if I just have a better marriage or a good marriage or, or a better family or a stronger family or if business could be better, you know, or my health would be better and, 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 and nothing wrong with all of those things. Those are things we pray about and, and, and want, but ultimately and, and primarily we worship Jesus and, and he is first in our lives. When we worship and prioritize these things, we love these things, they become our identity. It's, it becomes like a dog chasing a, a, a tail. Sometimes you see these videos, it's rather funny. And you just think, those dogs are so dumb. Why do they do that? But we're doing the same thing when we're chasing other things. When we're worshiping other things other than the one true God, because it just never ends. But with Jesus, we worship. And that is where true worship results in mission. True worship is the heart of our God. It is the heart that worships Christ overflows in obedience to the commands and the call of God. That's why we're obedient to his word. It's a response of, uh, of the gospel, of, of the love of what he has done for us. And then thirdly, we see go time recognizes the authority and the power of Jesus. In verse 18, it says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What is Jesus in charge of here on earth? Everything. What is Jesus in charge of in the whole universe, in the whole solar system? Everything. Creator, sustainer, and he's been given full authority. Notice it doesn't say, I'd encourage you to underline the word all, because all is pretty huge in this. It doesn't say some authority is given to Jesus. Or partial authority. No, it says all authority. He's king of kings. He's in charge. Sovereign over all. And because of that, we submit, we obey, 
And we participate in his kingdom work. We listen to him. We follow him. And Jesus' authority comes by who he is. He's God. He's deity. And that was reaffirmed by his conquering sin and death on the cross. It was made visible for us all to see. Ephesians 1, Philippians 2, Colossians 1 are all passages that remind us that, that God the Father gave Jesus full authority. I remember when I was in college, we, my uh, freshman year, I lived on the dorm, dorm uh, did, did the dorm life. And, and um, our resident director, the guy in charge of this group of about 16 or 18 guys, just did not have a lot of authority in that room and, or in that dorm. And it was quite the semester, that first semester. And I will not say, um, nor will I deny whether or not I helped or hindered in that process. And I think you might know, uh, perhaps maybe what I uh, maybe contributed to, to uh, not helping that process. And, and, uh, and it was the, the, the dean of, of students and all of that, they didn't know what to do with, with us with that dorm and when, when uh, the new semester started and we all got moved in and we heard the rumors there would be a, a, new re, uh, a new director in charge of that dorm and sure enough there was a guy and he was a lumberjack formerly. He was big. He was bulging. And it wasn't like it, it was from being a lumberjack. He was tall. He was, I mean, this guy was built and boy did he have a voice. And only once did I need to hear, Lucher! And he had my attention. And it was like, yes, sir. Grew to love that guy. Grew to work and live and have fun under his authority. Loved him. But he had authority. And folks, this is the rightful above any human example. And I struggle to find an example of what this could even look like here on earth. Jesus Christ when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, that is something. He's packing. He has it. It's all there. And when at times we see this, however, our, our sinful nature, oftentimes we'll, we'll take a look and it will rub us the wrong way. We don't like people telling us what to do, do we? What authority do you have to tell me what to do? We don't like that. But when the boss comes in and we want to keep our jobs, we, we usually should pay attention. When the teacher gives some authority in the classroom, we should pay attention. We don't like to be bossed around. I'm in charge. I want things. Well, I think this. But when it comes to Jesus, the idea that he is our savior, he died on the cross and offers us salvation and eternal life. But this also means that he is Lord. He has all authority. And so when he is saying, all authority has been given to me, we listen. Is this going to cost what we're going to be talking about, what he's going to be telling us to do? Yes. Will there be joy in this? You better believe it. It is the only path to true joy. True joy comes by giving yourself away. The world doesn't teach that. It's, it, it's, it, it teaches that joy is attained by getting. Jesus' kingdom is different. And so when... He says this, we need to listen. Will there be rewards? You better believe it. One day, maybe not this day, but one day, the reward will be ours. But this is such good news because with his authority, he's packing power. His resources, they are available all of it is available to us. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, before he ascended, he says, you will receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's saying, all my power, it's available to you through the Holy Spirit. You're not going to go on mission on your own. You're going under my power, under my authority, and that's not going to run out. He created the universe. He's sustaining the universe. We go under his power, his authority, and there is real strength. And you see, go time begins with a heart of humility and worship, and it recognizes that Jesus is in charge and that he's back in the mission. And fourthly, go time is about making disciples. Verse 19 and 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. This is go time. Go time is about making disciples. And as you study this passage, folks, and, and even as you look at it even now, I encourage you, I hope you're looking at it in your Bibles, and, and it says, um, like, you look at this, and, and in its literary form and in the, in the original Greek, you see that there, you think there's a lot of action, a lot of activity here, but in reality, there's only one verb in these verses. And the, that verb is not the word Go. As you look at it, you think the word go is, but because of the therefore, and because, the, because of the therefore being a therefore in that place, the word go becomes a participle along with baptizing and teaching. There's one verb, and that verb is make disciples. We are to make disciples. And what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner, a follower, a follower who is committed to maturity. And so when Jesus is saying make disciples, he's not saying make converts, but truly committed followers, lifelong followers of Christ. It's about being changed and being transformed little by little. Baby step, big step, few steps back, few steps forward, baby step, major step, continuing on in, in this. It's about being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, into his likeness here on this earth, knowing that one day we will be changed forever. But until that day, we continue and we, 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 we follow him as a disciple. And, and Jesus built this into the life of his disciples for three and a half years. He poured into them and he, he taught them to, that, and then he told them, now go reproduce yourself. Go do what I did for you in teaching you, seeing how you can be empowered and how you go on, 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 on his strength and, and not on your own. And he sent them out and sometimes they failed and they came back and they said, let's talk about this here. And he sent them out. And you and I are here today because of their obedience. Because they went and they reproduced themselves. And others reproduce themselves as disciples of Jesus Christ. And I am so thankful for the hundreds. I started to just even come up in my mind this past week. How many people have influenced me as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Start spending some time. Talk, just even encourage you to be writing them down. Those who've been a major influence or even a minor influence. Whose commitment and obedience to Christ have impacted you in such a, such a powerful way, or even in little ways, but it was still significant. Little things can become big things. God uses that. I think of Auntie Star was her name. Auntie Star Brown was, was her full name, and how she was worked in, at that time, they didn't call it Harvest Kids, but in the nursery department, and pretty much every kid in the whole church knew Auntie Star and knew her love for, for them, that when we came to church, we knew that there would be Auntie Star there. She was being a disciple. She was helping to make disciples. She was living on mission, having an impact 
on, on, on hundreds and hundreds of children by simply serving in a nursery department. It's powerful. She's helping to change the world, showing the love of Christ. And you and I are here today as a result of the obedience of people to the mission of making disciples. And so how do we go out making disciples? And now we get to the, the participles here. How, how do we get to this? We see this in, in verse, verse 19. It says we are to go. And, and so I encourage you to write down the word go or going. Because he says go and make disciples. And, and literally what this, this, this means is wherever you go or as you are going. It's not like today I'm going to have go time. There are times we are going to do specific go time um, ministries and take opportunities. But this is everyday life as you are going about your business, as you're at the restaurant, as you're at the grocery store, at the school, at the gym, after service, before service, some serving during, uh, before and after and, and, and during the service. This will happen in homes. This will happen in the workplace. This will happen out on the sports field. We, as we are going, we are to be making disciples. Our whole life is to be on mission making disciples in all that we're doing, in our mindset, our, our desire daily, oh God, may I be going out and be making disciples, whether that's the influence you have with, with, with children, if, if they're young and are in your home, or even grown up through your love, through your prayers, through your encouragement, to the people that you're running into, it's about making disciples. As we are going, we are to be making disciples. And it goes on then to say of all nations, we are to do this locally where we're at and globally. Just don't, just, just don't do it here, but, but we're also supposed to have a kingdom mindset for the entire world. 196 nations, 116,000 different people or ethnic groups in our world. Read this week that 6,700 of those 16,000 people groups are still unreached, meaning that they have less than 2% of people in their group in their ethnic groups that have that are not believe or less than two percent that are believers and they have no or little access to the gospel there's still work to do there's work to do in this city we're one of the fastest growing cities in canada i just heard that this past week there's a housing shortage and all of these different things people want to move here they're moving here for the dream they're chasing it they're thinking they're going to find it they're going to find the pot of gold and they're not going to find it unless they find jesus and we can introduce them to jesus christ this is what they're looking for. They're looking for a body of believers, and they don't even know it yet, who are going to tell them life-changing truths of the power of Jesus Christ and going to love them through the junk and through the glory times of life and doing life together with them and that they see that there's a, a family, a, a kingdom family here that is much bigger and, and has a larger mindset than just the, than their unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. People are moving here to chase the dream. Cash out, retire, put their feet up. God wants to encounter their lives. He doesn't want any of them to perish. He's sending them to us. We have an opportunity. So how do we go about doing this? What do we do? Okay, so I'm, I'm going, I'm going, as I'm going. What do I do? Well, it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, so, so it, do we all go and get like a little uh, rubber dinghy pool? Put it on street corners and invite people to, hey, let me baptize. Because, well, that's what it says. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, what are they talking about here? So if you have a swimming pool, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll just come over and start baptizing. 
Are we just little baptizers running around baptizing people? Is, is that what it, well, if you read it literally, I mean, just the flow, you kind of see that here, but where's the gospel in this? I, I thought there should be something, you just, just going around dunking people. But see, folks, this is the beauty of the word of God. This is the beauty. The, the word baptism is, is loaded with gospel meaning. And to be baptized is to visibly proclaim the gospel. That's what true baptism is. It's to visibly proclaim that you are a follower of Christ. That the gospel work has already taken place in your life. And in Mark's and Luke's account of the Great Commission, you go ahead and read those. There's a right at the end of their books, virtually. It says more specifically there that we are to go and preach the gospel and preach the forgiveness of sins. However, Matthew says here to baptize. I love what John MacArthur wrote on this. He, he, he said, he, he wrote that in Jesus', in Jesus day and for the early church, salvation and baptism were seen as inseparable. That when one referred to baptism, they were referring to conversion. They were referring to someone receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior. To be baptized is to visibly carry out a direct command that Jesus called us to do. It's a powerful symbol doesn't save you. It is simply a symbol that illustrates the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's how we identify with him. And baptism is a public testimony that once a person has personally understood and received the gospel and has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, have repented, they've turned from their sins and they are desiring to live for him, they're to be baptized. It's not just some emotional rush that, you know, I guess I should do this. And, 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 and baptism in and of itself has, has no power to be able to save you. But it is simply a fruit of what has already taken place. It is the living out of the gospel work that has taken place within your heart. And folks, today, if you are claiming to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, and have never been baptized, you must examine why are, you, are, why are you disobeying this area of direct obedience? Maybe you haven't thought about it, or maybe you haven't realized it, or um, you just haven't connected the dots on it. Well, today's time to connect the dots. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are to be baptized. And if not, you're living in disobedience. You say, well, I've got to put it up. No, delayed disobedience. Oh, delayed obedience is disobedience. And remember, baptism does not save us, only faith in Jesus Christ. Faith alone in Jesus Christ saves us. But this water baptism is a sign, it is a fruit that salvation has taken place. And if you need to take that step, I encourage you to talk to me after the service, fill at the bottom of your connection card, and, and just said, I want, say, I want to know more about baptism. I have a study book for you. I have them available today. I'd love to, to give it to you. Say, yeah, I'll get around to it sometime this week. No, you want do it today. You know, I can't believe how complacent and how easy we can be challenged and we can be moved, and then we walk out of here, and, and, and it's just like we usually just go brain dead at times. And the same is true for me. I can preach this sermon with all my heart and, 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 and say, oh, God, do a new work in me. And, oh, what's on TV today? Do it. If this is what God is calling us to do, don't delay. Let's get the ball rolling. Let's get moving in this. So we make disciples. Making disciples mean, means going, baptizing, and then we see it's about teaching. Verse 20, it says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. This isn't just about making converts. It's about making disciples. Don't just get them saved. Get them sanctified. Grow them up. It's not 
Just, just simply teaching to, to give knowledge and information and to make a bunch of brainiacs and, about the Bible or about theology. It's teaching them to obey, to put it into practice, to live it out. And this is a lifelong journey. Whether you're 8 or 18 or 38 or 80-some, 90, however old you are, it's a process of sanctification, of continuing to grow together. It's a lifelong journey of teaching and being taught. From the word of God. And one of the best places this happens, it's within the body of Christ. You know, it is the only institution that Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And through all generations, for over 2,000 years, the church of Jesus Christ has had some dark days. Some of you experienced dark days within the life of the church. Yeah, that can happen. And yet, he says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the place, the best place for teaching, the best place to, to be discipled, God's word says it's the church. It's one another. And this happens on a Sunday morning as we worship, as we serve, as we're served, as we pray and are prayed for. What, what a great thing to rejoice this morning in our stop, drop, and prayer time. It happens at 945. Some of you can easily be there. 9.45, we, or 8.45, thank you, uh, as, as we meet together to pray together as the body of Christ, we were rejoicing. Someone whose tests and, 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 and the doctors were moving this person towards preparing them for, for a, a serious bout of cancer. As people have been praying and God's been working and as the tests have come back, she's fine. This is a place where we rejoice together, where we pray for one another. This has been a very hard and a long, difficult number of months for her. And now she hears the news. And so we rejoice with her. We've been praying and now we rejoice. She's good. The tests have come back. She's clear. Praise the Lord for that. It's a place where we teach and we're taught, where we encourage and we encourage one another. It's where we learn to forgive. And it's a place where we are also forgiven. It's a place to study the word of God. It's a, it, it's a time to be able to, to walk with one another through the good and the bad and the ugly. Just not the plastic and shiny version of you, the ugly. The ugly. Because life is going to get ugly for us all at certain times in our lives. And we need one another. That's what the body of Christ. This is how we teach one another. This is how the sanctification process happens. It's just not filling ourselves up with this knowledge. It's living it out. It's where we grow in love and forgiveness and doing life together. This is the beauty of the body of Christ. And the best place where we see this teaching take place, see within the body, within the church. Tuesday mornings, ladies meet to study the word of God. Saturday morning, as men have been studying, teaching to teach. Small groups through coffee get-togethers, through challenging, encouraging one another. Finally, go making disciples we see here or just even to recap making disciples is about going about baptizing about teaching and then lastly it carries a tremendous promise tremendous promise and he says in verse 20 the last part he says and behold i am with you always to the end of the age folks we have a promise this is what we do we make disciples with a worship and a worshiping and a humble heart recognizing that, that he's backing us with his power and his authority. and He's also commanded us to go and to make disciples, sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel with our lives and with our lips, teaching one another, 
growing in sanctification, but then this incredible promise. He says, I'm with you. The promise of his presence. I am with you always. Whatever you go through, through those difficult times where it seems like a flood of darkness is filled in your life and there's no way out, he's there. He's there. He will never leave us nor forsake us. What a promise. We don't go in our strength. We go under his authority. We go in the authority of the one who created and redeemed the world and to know his presence goes with us wherever we go by his Holy Spirit. Folks, this is what we do. And I believe that in so many ways as we look at these cards and declare I follow Christ and we just see how, how it's outlined for us, this can become a way that we look and say, how am I doing in these areas? How am I doing in these five areas? How am I doing in these three relationships? My relationship with God, my relationship with fellow believers. How am I doing in sharing with people who don't know Christ? It's so practical. And as I'm living in an, in an abiding relationship and fellowshipping with God's people, his life spills out in our lives. This is, this is some of the fruit of our salvation is that it's spilling out through our lives and our lips to other people. And I encourage you, encourage you strongly to be looking at your life, even in your small groups, even this, this next week, even be asking to say, how am I doing in my, asking one another, how are you doing in your God time? Are you committing daily to spending time in the word of God daily? How about in gather time? Are you skipping church for, for, for no good reason? Come on, let's get on this. It's very few good excuses. How about group time? Are you involved in a group where, where you can learn and be taught, but then you're also able to take it a step further in accountability and being able to share authentically with one another? And then giving of our time, our treasure, our talents, giving our first and our best. And out of the overflow in that, and as we are going, we are looking at opportunities to share the gospel locally and globally with others. It's spreading it. So how do we go about doing it? How, how, Practical. I just want to get super practical as, as, uh, for a few moments here. Well, we, first of all, this starts by prayer. We pray daily, oh God, today, as I am going, may I be a disciple. May I be a disciple of yours today. Oh God, as I am going throughout my day, may I be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, who is in your life that you are to share the gospel with. You know, I, I wrote this out and just thought, okay, so, so just get alone with God and just say, okay, God, who is it that I should be sharing the gospel with? I don't think he's going to answer that. Because he's like, everyone, everyone that you come in contact with, you are to, to look at how you can, can, through your life, through your lips, have an impact on them. But yes, then there are going to be specific where God is just even just, just moving you to, to say, okay, I've got to set up some time with that person. I've got to make some room for that person in my life. Going for a coffee, having them over for a meal, inviting them to church. Who are you inviting for Easter Sunday? We want to pack this place Easter Sunday. 
have it so we have to find chairs and some of you are really getting snuggy on, 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 on the love seats because you're going to make three people sit in a place for two seats and, and, and pack this place out. Now, Easter isn't the only time to be inviting people, but it, it is a time that oftentimes people will be kind of, ah, kind of think, you know, they're the CEO types, you know, Christmas and Easter only. And so, you know what, just, just get them here, you know, and, and, and we want to share the gospel, be thinking already, who, who am I inviting to Easter? Not just, oh, it's Good Friday, I should really invite someone to Easter Sunday. Be thinking, be praying, just start inviting. We'll have information for you and, and handouts um, as, as the date gets closer. Pray. Be a person of prayer. We have these, these prayer uh, guides that, that, that hook you up with, with various harvest churches around the world. And this is just a black and white copy. We've had some colored copies. They all disappeared this week, which is awesome. And these have also been emailed to you through, through the e-news and, and uh, available for you to be able to pick up at the info desk today. We have some more copies of this. You can pray yourself around the world. This is how you can go. This is one of the ways you can go globally by through your prayers. I, I have grandparents who, whose daughter went as a missionary to Africa for 25 years. She served the Lord in, in, in um, ministry with, with, with nursing, medical missions, and, and, and used of God in a great way. And they never went to go see her once, but they said, we were there. We were there in our prayers. We were there standing with her in prayer during, those, uh, during that time. We can go around the world through our prayers, praying for one another, praying locally and globally for the advancement of the kingdom. Soon I'm hoping to announce to you some, some opportunities for some of you sitting here today. Some of you sitting here today to go on mission um, that, that we as a church will, will get behind and back in some short-term mission um, ministry that just have had some encouraging conversations just in the last week or two on that and, and just looking uh, at some opportunities for us to get behind as a church and, and to have an impact globally, not just here in our city, but globally. Jesus said in John 4.35, he says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields. They're white for harvest. The opportunities are all around us. What is God laying on your heart? Who are those people specifically to go out after, to share the love of Christ, to share the gospel with? I want to share with you just a, a video from Shayon's wife, uh, Natalie, who is away today, and, and uh, she, she did an iPhone video of us of just sharing how God laid a burden on her heart and, uh, and what that ended up transpiring into. So let's take a look at this video. When I moved to Kelowna, I knew God was calling Shayon and I to be here. I had my heart set on making my time here in this new city effective and fruitful. I've always had a heart to serve in the community that I lived in as a means to create opportunities to share the gospel with those in need. When I witnessed the homeless on the streets, especially in the harsh cold of this past winter, my heart was moved for them, especially during Christmas time when often our thoughts and efforts are directed towards gifts and presents. I understood that a way to share the love of Christ and celebrate the ultimate gift of God to us in Christ was serving the homeless and meeting their practical needs. I understood that my thankfulness for God's goodness in providing me with even the basic things like warm clothes, food, and shelter should move me to action. I got in touch with Trevor from our church family, who works at the Kelowna Gospel Mission, an organization that serves the homeless regularly, and got information regarding the items needed. And as a church, we filled 22 backpacks with essential items, along with a couple of boxes of food and winter coats and other items that they would need. Together as a church, we were able to give people true hope with having a chance to share the gospel through something so simple, a backpack. Great way we can go and get behind a going ministry. 
I think of just recently, my parents were visiting from Regina. My father turned 80 in November, and my mother is uh, somewhere in her 70s. And uh, take a look at how they got involved in go time, how God laid a burden on their heart, and how they are getting involved in some serious go time. I'm Harold Luzer, and this is my wife, Charlene, and we're from Regina. Uh, at the first of the year, 2016, we were very upset with our Prime Minister bringing over all these Syrian refugees. And then I went to a seminar by another a Muslim group, and they were trying to convert us to Islam. And that greatly upset me, and I saw the need of getting involved in educating myself and others as far as Islam. We began a prayer meeting once a month, and we've been going for a year now, and people from various churches come out and are praying and seeking God, and that has resulted in a wonderful ministry to the Syrians. It was in this same time that we found out about the Canadian Network of Ministry to Muslims, and the group started to meet together, and uh, every month it's growing, it's a prayer group, and it's drawing people in to interest, getting rid of their fear of the Muslims and coming and praying. And then this is what us, got us going with uh, the group that we're meeting with English second language, and uh, started to go in and started to provide lunches for them. It was September the 11th that we took 40 Syrians on a farm tour and visited two farms and a Bible camp. And this really built relationship and it showed us the great need of getting to know them on a personal level. And we were able to get all of these things, the, the lentils and all this, all the food that they like from processing plants. And I know the first time we went out to the processing plant, they gave a couple of bags. The second time Harold went out, they just loaded the van full of four or five hundred pound bags of lentils and are just so generous and that's what we've been finding that anything that we need there's usually people that are willing to give and we take these things to the people and they're just so so thankful to have food that they like and they enjoy and they know what to do with and it's just been um, those people have such open doors too they are so hospitable when you go to the door you don't stand there Come in, come in, come in. Don't take your shoes off. Come in, come in. And you don't stay for 15 minutes. You, they want you there for an hour. So it's, they're very social. They love to have people in. And it's just an amazing, they're so graceful. We have a lot to learn from them. As a result of prayer, God has led us into a number of different ministries. One was on October 29th, we had 170 at a supper meeting where the gospel was presented. Also, we have had uh, their dental needs. We coordinate their dental needs. The government pays for them, but we have to make the appointments and take them to the dentist's office. We've also had bowling times together and just recently a sledding party at our place. And at that time, the women were sitting with me in the living room while the others were out sledding, and they saw my knitting, and they said, oh, do you knit? And I said, yeah. And they said, oh, we want to knit too. And so we're going to start a knitting bee when we get back. We have found when you love them unconditionally, 
that God just opens up their hearts and they've been asking, why do we have such love for them? And that gives us opportunity to share about Jesus. And we're just so excited that more and more of them are warming up to us and the friendships that we have built are so close and we're just believing God for many of them to come to know Christ. As we continue, we have uh, many other events planned. One is an ice fishing for the men and the boys, and then also some other bigger outreach events, not only for the Syrians, but for the Kurdish who are asking for a same type of supper and want that same type of relationship that we have with the Syrians. Yes, what we're really seeing and believing is that God is sending the mission field to us. And uh, we don't have to go out to other countries anymore. The other countries are here. And we're so blessed to see them come in and, and they're very, very open. They're not um, a closed bunch that are, there may be sections of them that are, but um, they just want to be accepted for just being human beings and loving them and putting our arms around them. And it's just so good to see how many different groups want to give to it and, and uh, like even the food and everything that's given, the Hutterites give potatoes and carrots and beets and turnips and all sorts of things and they're wanting to give more all the time. So everybody's wanting to build into this and the mission field's here, let's get busy. I just love that last statement. <clears throat> the mission field is here, let's get busy. Go time, this is what we do. This is what we're called to do and how is God birthing ideas and thoughts in your mind. You see, it's so easy to be like the world and become obsessed with our own kingdoms, our wealth, our power, our popularity. Just marking time perhaps, living paycheck to paycheck, living for the next trip or hoping to move to Kelowna or looking for some retirement kind of pot of gold sort of thing. And it doesn't produce real happiness. That's not the mission that we're called to live on. We go through life dealing with discouragement and, and family and issues and politics and all of these different things and we become so distracted to, the, to what we are called to do and what we are called to be. To go and to make disciples, to be disciples and to look at encouraging others. Who are you discipling? Who are you building into in your home and within the body of Christ? Just don't be a consumer. You can't be just a consumer. You, you, you need to be also building into the life of others, reaching out to others, teaching and, and, and being taught. You see, folks, eternity lays in the balance of all of this. But we are about a different kingdom, an eternal kingdom, and it's go time. It's time to make disciples. This is what we do. This is our job. This is what he's called us to do. And this morning we're going to end our, our time in worship because go time, it begins in worship. The mission that we're called to do is, is, is about worship first and foremost. And, and the best way that we're going to do that is through the Lord's Supper and, and worshiping Jesus is we remember his love and his sacrifice to us. And I believe it's just the perfect way to, here on earth anyways, to be able to celebrate and, and, and commit ourselves. But I trust that we will spend time examining our own hearts and, and, and to say, okay, how am I doing in these five Gs? 
How am I doing in, 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 in these areas? And, and what areas do I need to repent of? What kingdoms am I going after that are not God's kingdom? What have I placed above the kingdom of God in my life or in my priorities or in my finances or in, in my time? And we need to examine our lives and, and get back on God's mission. This is what he calls us. This is what we do. In the 1700s, there was a young German university student. His name was Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzerdorf. What a great name. After he graduated from university, he decided to take a trip across Europe. And one day, as he was in an art gallery in Dusseldorf, he saw a painting called Behold the Man. And it was a moving, a stunning portrait of the life or, or of Christ on the cross with the crown of thorns and blood running down his face. And there was some words at the bottom of that painting, a caption, and it says, I have done this for you. What are you doing for me? For that young university student whose life was ahead of him, that, that painting and that caption, I've done this for you. What are you doing for me? Wrecked him. And he says, I have loved him, I've loved Jesus for a long time, but I have never actually done anything for him. From now on, I will do whatever he leads me to do. And he went back home and he started a prayer movement, a movement of prayer in a village of 300 people that went on a prayer meeting that started one day and went over 100 years of continuous prayer where people committed at least one person every hour of the day for 100 years, way past his life, continued to pray. And in that missionary movement, in that prayer movement, they sent out over 300 missionaries. Many of them came to North America, area of South Asia, Turkey. Many of them, the first 29 that were sent out, 20 of them never came home. And they gave their lives and there was a phrase that became the heart cry of this prayer meeting and, and became the heart cry of, of these people for this 100 years of this movement of people. And listen to this statement. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Jesus did not die for us to sit in luxury and comfort and just to go about doing our own life and worrying about ourselves. He came, he lived, he died for us to go and to see others that once we have been saved, for us to go out and to see others come to know Jesus Christ. He did this so we would be saved, so that we would go and then they would become saved and they will go and we just continue on. And this morning when we hold that bread in our hands, and we dip it into the cup as you come forward for that time. And you remember his blood that was shed for us. We remember, we move towards him and ask ourselves, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Is he receiving the reward of his suffering in your life or is it all just about you? Is it all just about me? I have to ask myself that question. Am I being obedient to the word of God? Am I being obedient to what his commands call me to do? His word is clear, and I am to obey. Let's pray together. Father, even now, as we take time to examine this powerful statement,
May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering in my life. That my life would be one that would be committed to you. I pray that for my brothers and sisters here that we would examine our lives here today in light of the wonderful cross. The love that we saw extended to all who receive, all who believe, all who turn Turn from sin and, and follow your ways. And, and the reality of that relationship is shown by our obedience and the fruit that results from it. And sometimes the fruit can be hard to find. Sometimes fruit is slow and it's a difficult season. But through pruning, sometimes much pruning, the fruit comes. And part of that pruning is saying no to some things and saying yes to your things. I pray for those that you are calling in areas of obedience here today that they would say yes and not delay any further. That we would see that the role that you have called us to is to make disciples. This is what we do. And we don't do it on our own power and our own strength because if we do, we're filled with fear, we're filled with anxiety, and, and there's no power in that. But we rely on you. And so, Lord, even now I pray that as we spend time examining our lives, as we spend time <coughs> in prayer, that we would commit to you. And as we receive the Lord's Supper today, it would be the prayer of our heart. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering in me today, this week, for the rest of my life. And when we mess it up, which we will, we would be quick to confess and make things right with you. The Lord's Supper is available for all who have truly put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. Please don't partake if you haven't done that or you're unsure of where you're at today. God's Word gives us a warning about this. This is a sacred and a very important step. It's okay not to partake. And the Bible says we ought to examine ourselves, confess areas of sin, make things right. If you need to get up and go make a phone call or need to go speak to someone, to make something right and ask for their forgiveness before you partake, you do that. We come, we come with clean hands and a pure heart. If there's areas of disobedience in our lives, I would caution you to, to not take the Lord's Supper. It's a serious matter. But it's a way that we worship. It's a way we remember. It's not for the perfect, perfect as none of us are. But we come broken and we come confessing and and in that way, as we confess, we repent, we're clean before a holy God. Oh God, do a work in our hearts today as we worship you.